Hello, this is Alex Adams, and I'm welcoming you back to the seventh episode of the Sports and Entertainment Marketing Podcast. The first thing we will talk to you today is about bartering and the importance of it in the sports marketing world. So let's first define bartering. Bartering is trading or exchanging a good or service for another good or service. Um, An example would be posting a freshwater company sign at the event participant registration desk in exchange for bottles of water to give the runners who participate in the event. Um, A barter agreement is an agreement between two entities for the exchange of good or services where both entities gain. An example of this would be, let's say I will tell someone I'll wash their car but you have to take me to school for a week. So it's pretty much just like, it's a trade pretty much. You're exchanging a good or service between two people or companies or whatever the case. Um, some of the reasons why um, companies or people will do barter agreements in the sports marketing world is this helps decrease costs. You don't have to pay any money for it. Um, if you were to get an item at no cost, your overall out-of-pocket expenses are lower so it pretty much just helps you save money it's also a win for both parties involved it's a mutualistic relationship both parties will get the desired outcome they want per the agreement now let's discuss some of the conditions or terms when it comes to making a barter agreement first you have to determine what each party has to trade so this could be one item slash service or multiple items slash services. So you need to be very clear on this to determine what side is getting what. You need to determine exactly what each party wants to trade the other for. So be very specific. Only trade for items slash services you will actually need slash use. This is an important one because although some items or services would be considered value, even if they're more valuable than the one you're exchanging it for, If it's not something you're actually going to use, then it's not valuable to you. The third thing you need to consider is you need to determine the value of the items slash services that you're bartering for. So you need to make sure they're about the same. Obviously, they need to be something you will use, but you need to make sure they're equal. The fourth thing you need to consider is you need to clearly spell out the terms of the agreement. So... Make sure everything is clear and concise and to the point. You want to leave nothing for interpretation. You want to make sure everyone knows what the agreement is and what goes with that. Um, You also need to limit the terms of the agreement. Don't make an open-ended agreement. Keep it to a certain event or time frame. Again, be specific. You need to make sure you put the agreement in writing and obtain signatures. Do not settle for a verbal agreement. This one's very important because if it's a verbal agreement, there may be some um, misinterpretations. If you put it in writing, it will just be a lot easier and it will be a lot more formal too. And it will be a lot easier to prove. So make sure to put it in writing. That one's an important one. The last one, um, you need to be flexible, but let the other side take advantage of you. So obviously you can't be super strict. You can't say I must have this because it's not how life works. So sometimes you'll have to um, you have to be willing to let the other side at least get some other way. But you don't want to get taken advantage of. That's important to know.
there are some examples of this in the real world. Um, a teen did barter a phone for a Porsche. Um, someone traded a paperclip all the way up to a house. Obviously, this probably won't happen to you. You're probably not going to get this lucky. But it just shows that it is possible. And obviously, he didn't trade a paperclip for a house. But... Um, he bartered his way up to it, so he um, he bartered. He kept bartering for things that were a little more valuable, and over time, that eventually led to it. So that's how that happened. The second thing we're going to talk to talk about today is hospitality. So let's go over some hospitality options. Hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. This relates to or denotes the business of housing or entertaining visitors. The reason why you should offer different hospitality options, you want to make sure you're maintaining the interest of the people that are attending your event. You need to maximize fan slash guest experience, and you need to make people feel welcome. So just overall, you want to Make sure people are enjoying it. Some examples of hospitality options would be hospitality suites, gift bags, different viewing packages, or fan events. Um, now, some of you might be wondering how would this impact the type of event or on the choice of hospitality options. Well, basically the bigger the event or elegant the event, the more options you should have. Some of these would be like the Oscars, the Kentucky Derby, the PGA Championships, the resort spot, the sports conference, or media day. Some things you should consider when selecting hospitality options are the size of the event, the number of people attending, corporate sponsors, and the significance of the event. So that wraps up the hospitality. Now we're going to talk about a ticket sales program. So basically this one is going to be talking about how you should determine how you're going to make your ticket sales program and the things that go with that. So let's first address the types of ticket sale programs that are available. Many factors are used to estimate ticket sales for sporting events, such as corporate sponsorships and promotional events, facility size, and past ticket sales. A very important aspect to consider is how well the team is performing. If the team is winning, sales tend to go up, but if they're on a losing streak, then they will go down. Simple as that. Some of the reasons why bundling or packaging extra amenities with tickets is important. Um, bundling extra amenities with tickets involves including certain additional products along with the ticket. An example of this would be if a ticket to an event might also provide the individual with a souvenir t-shirt and a box lunch. The price lunch, the price for the bundle is a little more than the price of only a ticket, but people are willing to pay more to obtain the extra amenities. The higher the price of the bundle, increases revenue, which is one reason why sport or event marketers often bundle amenities with tickets. Basically, this just increases the amount of money they're bringing in. Some reasons why you would bundle or package extra amenities with tickets. One reason 
would be product bundling is a pricing strategy in which business packages products together and sells the package for a lower price than if the consumer were to buy each product and the package separately. Now, you might think, after reading that, you might think, um, well, why would a sports or entertainment marketer do this? Well, basically, a lot of times, if, if you combine two items together, even if it's for a lower price, they'll actually buy it. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that if it was separate, they would buy it. So you're still making money. So you're still winning. An example, another example would be um, if a professional ice hockey team would offer a family package that included four tickets, four meals, and four t-shirts for $89. If families were to purchase each item separately, they would pay more than $89. Now, if this amenity did not exist, they might not actually do that, but because it does, they pay for it. So that's why sport or entertainment marketers do it. They typically use product bundling to increase income and it gets consumers to try a new product that they wouldn't normally purchase or to deplete stock for slow-moving products. You need to have a preseason booking strategy because you need to sell as many tickets as possible before the season begins. And an effective way to do this would be to target current ticket holders that are likely to get season tickets again. And they are the spectators who have tickets for the season and regularly attend. These spectators are more likely than other groups to buy tickets for next season in advance. Some other reasons that you would need a preseason booking strategy. Um, preseason booking is used when a sports-slash-event organization sells or obtains purchasing commitments from its fans slash customers before sports season begins. For example, <laughs> prof <laughs> professional football teams <laughs> generally play games between to fill the stadium and generate revenue, ticket teams begin selling tickets before the first game. The teams want to make sure that they do not selling too early or too late, so timing is an important factor. Target markets might also include luxury box owners, season ticket owners, and tourist groups. Selling methods often vary by ticket market. For example, direct mail might be used to communicate with season ticket holders. Since luxury box owners spend more money for their scene accommodations, personal selling techniques are often more effective to communicate information about the sport product. Now there are nine steps if you want to increase your group sales. The first thing you want to do, you need to find the hot prospects. These are, there are group prospects, quote unquote, right in your backyard. Um, the second thing you want to do is do your homework, so just before you purchase prospect, make sure you do your research and make sure you know what they're about. Third thing you want to do is supersize your group business. Focusing on groups business is eff efficient only when agents sell to multiple people at the same time. <laughs> the fourth thing you want to do is manage groups wisely. Um, you just you just can't sell or manage groups the same way you can manage individual travelers. The fifth thing you want to do is work with pre-existing groups. You don't want to bother creating your own groups. Just taking group space and filling it with individuals is a losing proposition. You want to find that organization, pick a date or a product, one rate, and sell it out. Simple as that.
sixth thing you want to do is watch the bottom line. One huge area that most agents never consider are profits and losses. Agents can create a really simple P&L so they know how to price out a group intelligently. Best of all, when the group is completed, they know precisely how much money they've made. The seventh thing you want to do is ask for the business. Develop the habit of asking for repeat businesses and referrals. Basically, whenever you touch that client by email, in person, or when you send a thank you note, ask for referrals. The eighth thing you want to do is you never want to close a sale. Don't rejoice in closing a sale. Rejoice in opening it. It's only the beginning of the relationship. And the ninth and last thing you want to do is reap the rewards. So basically, when group clients love their travel agency, they are likely to start booking all their trips through the agency, even if they already have a personal travel agent elsewhere. Groups can deliver serious exponential growth for an agency. And one incentive to offer groups is discounts based on size of groups. So that wraps up this episode of the Sports and Entertainment Marketing Podcast. I will see you next time.